0: Today on the Press Box, we take a look at the offseason that has been so far for the St. Louis Cardinals and Atlanta Braves, and a look at Tennessee in their upcoming game against number one ranked Gonzaga. Tennessee's not too shabby itself, but then sitting at number seven, can they knock off the Bulldogs? We'll talk about it on today's episode of the Press Box. While a meaningful baseball game hasn't been played since, well, the end of October, baseball is still very much active throughout the winter. Last season, or last offseason, I should say, it wasn't quite the same. Things were quiet. John Carlos Stanton's uh, inevitable trade to the Yankees held everything up. Not so much this time around. Signings, trades, what more could you ask for? Well, Probably not enough if you're Jerry DiPoto, the general manager of the Seattle Mariners, but we don't cover them here, so that's okay. Two teams we do like taking a look at, though, are the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves. Two teams who are trending in the same direction of win now. The Braves, of course, won their division last season, and they've made themselves better going into 2019 with the acquisition of Josh Donaldson on a one-year $23 million deal. A lot of people were in on Josh Donaldson, including the Cardinals as well as some other teams. So the question is, why didn't why didn't he go somewhere else? What was it about the Braves and their one-year deal that made it so attractive? Well, a couple of different things. Josh Donaldson is a uh, Southern boy born and bred, grew up a Braves fan, and the Braves general manager, Alex Anthopoulos, is very much uh, a part of Donaldson's professional life as a baseball player. He traded for Donaldson when he was the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And now it's almost a homecoming of sorts as Donaldson goes there to man down third base, hitting in that lineup along with Freddie Freeman, uh, Ronald Acuna, Dansby Swanson, and geez, uh, that, that Braves team is going to be very, very good going into 2019. Of course, a lot of Braves fans have the same question that, well, the other 29 uh, teams fans do. What about Bryce Harper? What about Manny Machado? Would they make the Braves better? The answer is yes. I mean, they would make any team better. But Alex Anthopoulos has has come out and said that he is very much against the idea of handing out a 10-year deal for either Machado or Harper or anybody, really. Long-term deals rarely work out, and I have to say – He's right, so what you end up doing, what you end up weighing, is the value that the player brings you on and off the field, his age, what he's done so far. And there's a lot of people out there that would argue that Bryce Harper isn't going to be worth the money that he's probably going to get. And he turned down the 10-year, $300 million deal to stay with the Nationals. Now, it's probably not as cut and dry as that. The Nationals are known for... uh, structuring the deals in a way that the players keep getting paid long after their playing days are over, the deferred money to keep uh, payroll costs down year-to-year. Year. You have to think that's eventually going to catch up with them, though. Um, so, when you take a look at the Braves as they stand right now, you've got a very dangerous middle of the lineup with Freddie Freeman and Josh Donaldson. Your pitching still looks to be good. Uh, There could be a reunion with Craig Kimbrell in the works to help fortify the bullpen. The Braves, uh, however, can't be said to be the favorites in the National League East. Uh, Keeping up with the news from all around that division, it's a busy division. Brody Van Wagnen, who is the new general manager of the uh, New York Mets, he's in a win-now mode right now. He's not coming in intent on tearing it down. He wants to win right now. The only team that's not trying to win right now would be the Miami Marlins. And JT Real Muto, their star catcher, supposedly on the trade block. There have been talks with the Braves. There have been talks with the Mets, the Phillies. Shoot, I think even the Nationals ran on him too. So the, the NLE is going to be very, very active. The Phillies have said they're going to spend stupid money. The Nationals haven't said they're going to spend stupid money, but they're still incredibly talented. And even without Bryce Harper, and it doesn't look like Bryce is going to go back there, they're still going to have a very formidable lineup and a very formidable rotation. The Mets, for all intents and purposes, if that rotation's healthy, with Jacob deGrom, Noah Sindergard, uh Zach Wheeler, watch out. The Mets could be uh, making some moves too. I mean, they've still got... Yo, a Cespedes, he's not due back to the middle of the season, but it's not—it's not a deal breaker. That doesn't mean they're not going to make the playoffs or be in contention for the division. So that's something to keep an eye on. But the Braves are are in the mix. They—they've got to be considered. Uh, again, not the favorites to win the division, but if you had to rank teams in order, they at least—it's—it's it's a one A, one B, probably with the Nationals, depending on what the Phillies decide to do. Okay. Moving on to the St. Louis Cardinals. Moving on to the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a team that has been floundering in third and second place. Not willing to tank to get the draft picks, but yet not willing to do enough to attempt to win the division until now. a St. Louis Cardinals fan myself, I can tell you from experience, the fan base, myself included, uh, were just dying to see them do something, anything. And a lot of people, again, myself included, wanted them to sign Bryce Harper, which isn't out of the question. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But what they did do, the big move they did do, and arguably a more transformative move than signing Bryce Harper, was trading for Arizona Diamondbacks first baseman Paul Goldspin, essentially for a two-pound block of Velve- Velveeta cheese and some microwave popcorn. Yeah, They gave up absolutely nothing of consequence uh, to get him. And now he's going to be batting in the middle of that lineup, one of the most consistent players in all of baseball. His wins above replacement, past three seasons, 5.1, 5.2, 5.0. To put it in perspective, a zero-war wins above replacement means you are league average meaning you could be replaced with just about anybody that plays at your position and the team would, there would not be a net gain or loss. Goldspin is not that kind of guy. He's a game-changing kind of player. His career slash line is in his first full year, 297, 398, 532, wasn't an outlier. There was no sophomore slump. On average for his entire career, he's batting close to that. 290, 389, 533 for the past season. Sorry, I said his career, past season. And he's played in at least 155 games in five of those past six years. 31 years old, though, so uh, the age definitely going to be a factor. The Cardinals trade for him with the uh, hopes of extending him, much in the same way they did with Jason Hayward, with the Braves uh, a few years back. The difference this time, though, is Paul Goldschmidt seems much more of a Cardinals-type player that head-down-hustle kind of guy. Um, so when people talk about extending uh, Paul Goldschmidt and what it's going to take, uh, he's going to want to get paid. He's absolutely going to want to get paid. question is, what do you pay him? How long do you keep him on for? 31 years old. We all know, no matter what sport it is, once you pass that 30 mark, it's, it's it can be a downhill projection. Look at Albert Pujols with the Angels. Signed with the Angels, Um uh, Right before he turned 32 years old, I know there's some question about his age and stuff, but we won't get into that. Let's just assume he's telling the truth. And uh, the decline was, was a slippery slope. He is not the player he was when he was with St. Louis. The same thing could happen with Paul Goldschmidt, theoretically. So, again, how many years, how many dollars, what do you do? Well, when you think about it, and you think about the value that he's providing you, you're probably looking in the neighborhood of five to six years and he's going to have to get paid. This ain't going to be some $15 million a year deal. That's what he's on right now. You're probably looking at anywhere from an average annual value of 25 to $30 million a year. So let's just say $5,150. It's going to be close. It's going to be close to that. It might be a little bit less, could be a little bit more depending on how he does. But he supposedly, he has said that he would like to, uh, he would be open to an extension In St. Louis so how does this affect that team how does St. Louis look going forward as they look to compete with the Brewers and the Cubs the thing that's going to win the National League Central Division oddly enough is a traditional view of the sport who has the best pitching no it's not gonna be who can hit the most Uh, the Cardinals were already hitting a ton of home runs last year Goldschmidt's gonna just make that even bigger The Brewers can hint they have the MVP with uh, Christian Yellick. And, of course, you got the Cubs with Rizzo and Brian Contreras and Schwarzer and their whole host of other young guys. How do the Cardinals get set apart from the other two? Well, they're going to have to go and sign a a top-end reliever or trade for one. And Craig Kimbrell is the guy that keeps popping up for the Cardinals as well as the Braves. Now, the problem with Kimbrel is is he's asking for a six-year deal. six years. And I can't have to tell you that a six-year deal is probably you're probably looking at about 120 million dollars for Kimbrel. Six years, he's probably wanting that 20 million dollar range. That seems a bit pricey for the Cardinals. They could do it. Their, their payroll is absurdly low going into the next five, six, seven years. It's probably not a smart move, though, giving injury concern, age, wear and tear on the arm. They say the pitcher's arm is probably the most valuable commodity in all of sports. And you have to admit, it's true when you look at the money that they they spend on it. So where else do they go? Oliver Perez, maybe? Cody Miller? Not Cody Miller. Andrew Miller. What am I thinking? Andrew Miller, uh, who's a free agent. A little bit uh, on the risky side as well. You got Zach Britton, who's uh, coming off uh, Tommy John surgery. So where do they go? You can sign Harper. You could go trade for Goldschmidt. You could go sign Michael Brantley. You could bring back holes from 2008. And if your bullpen is going to continue to blow games, it simply doesn't matter. You might even still get to the postseason, but you're not going to win the World Series. Absolutely not. October is one with pitching. You get to October with hitting, but pitching is what gets you to the World Series. So the Cardinals still have some work to do. Goldschmidt, uh, very, very nice acquisition for the Redbirds. But they still need a left-handed bat to balance out the lineup. They still need uh, a strong bullpen piece to uh, help solidify that squad. And on top of that, they need a backup catcher. Because Carson Kelly was one of the players going back to Arizona in the Goldschmidt deal. Nice player, good catcher, blocked by Yadier Molina, and probably needs more playing time and more opportunities than the Cardinals can give him. So that's going to be the remainder of their uh, offseason is looking at that stuff. They're probably not in on Harper. Or Machado. Now, they'll probably hang around the peripheral of it, just kind of test the waters, see what the price is looking like, see if it's something they want to dip in for. But I think they're probably going to try to re-sign Paul Goldschmidt and kind of keep the band together. with the. They have so many pending free agents. At the moment, barring an extension with Goldschmidt at the end of 2019, the Cardinals are set to lose Mike Watka, Miles Michaelis, who was their best pitcher last year, Marcelo Zuna, who they got from the Marlins in a trade uh, after the 2017 season, and Paul Goldschmidt. So your three and four hole hitters out, gone. Your best pitcher gone, and uh, one of your number three, number four pitcher gone. They got to win now. They got to sign these guys. Uh, the guys like Goldschmidt, maybe Ozuna now. Pitching, I would like to see Miles Michaelis stay around. Watka, man, he was good in 2013. He was so good in 2013. And then the uh, the injury bug got him, and he hasn't quite been the same since. So we'll keep an eye on the uh, the rest of the offseason, the baseball winter meetings getting geared up to uh, begin on M- Monday, maybe Sunday night, but definitely they're going to begin in earnest on Monday in Las Vegas. Coincidence that it's Bryce Harper's hometown? Probably not. Uh Will he sign? Will Machado sign? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And real fast, on their markets, I've heard absolutely nothing about the Manny Machado market except that the White Sox and the Phillies have kind of been sniffing around him. Harper, on the other hand, I mean, who who isn't in on Harper at this point? Depending on who you read, you've got the Yankees, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Mets... The White Sox, the Dodgers, I've even heard the Angels have been taking a look at him. So we'll have to see where he goes to. I would imagine if I was a betting man, I would imagine the Yankees or Dodgers. And not just because they get the most money, but he lives near the Dodgers. He likes the coast. The Yankees were his favorite team growing up. Just saying. (laughs) All right. Enough baseball. Let's be moving on and talk a little bit about Tennessee basketball. And I don't think it hurts to say that this next game's a big one, which you can listen to on Rock 93.7. The Gonzaga Bulldogs visiting Tennessee, and 2 p.m. Sunday, Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. It's a pretty big deal. And now let's face it, the Vols this year, no stranger to playing really good teams. They took Kansas, the number two team in the country, to the wire in overtime uh, over Thanksgiving, and it If it weren't for some late-game mistakes, Tennessee probably was going to win that game. So how are uh, things going to shake out against Gonzaga? Well, Tennessee uh, is going to have to continue to develop the inside presence. That was one of their issues during the Kansas matchup. They settled for too many three-point shots, and it was clearly stated by head coach Rick Barnes after the game. He said, the fact we took 27 threes really bothered me a lot because we didn't do what we asked them to do. Now, Tennessee's front court, very physical, very strong, no doubt about that. Grant Williams, their best player. But when Kyle Alexander gets going, almost impossible to beat that Tennessee team. He's been a tremendous asset for the Vols so far this season. Looks like an NBA draft pick, which he's passing a week. And it's not just Tennessee's bigs they need to come through. Jordan Bone and Jordan Bowden, uh, both need to find ways to create shooting opportunities using their speed and athleticism. Gonzaga, very, very, very good and limiting opponent's assists, So expect the Volunteers to use a lot of isolation plays to free up their best players. Uh, they also, they got to get some free throw shooting going. It's easy to see the Vols are struggling from the line this year. They finished 40th in the country last season, shooting close to 76%. But they're currently 183rd with a 69% hit rate. The formula? Simple. Hit your free throws. Can't be that hard, right? Uh, so Tennessee gets an entire week off before the uh, Bulldogs come to town. Uh, it's going to be an advantage for the balls. Gonzaga also very beat up, missing one of the best players in Killian Tilly. He had a stretch fracture in his ankle about a month ago. Gino Crandall, rotational player, he broke his hand, expected to miss the game as well. That means the Bulldogs likely to employ a seven-man rotation on Sunday. They displayed played the Washington Huskies on Wednesday night. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they play against a well-rested, highly focused Tennessee squad. Uh, it did take his last second shot, by the way, from Rui Hachimura Jr. to get the win. The Huskies held the Zags to just 81 points. And while it's still a lot of points, Gonzaga averages 94.8 points per game heading into the matchup. So, uh, yeah, Tennessee, you best be looking at that tape. Question I got for Tennessee, though. How are they going to contain the Zags on the offense? How are you going to keep them limited? I don't even know if you can actually contain Gonzaga's offense. Even with a limited stockpile, Mark Few, he's going to find ways to win at the highest level. Uh, Yves Pons, he's probably going to be the key here. He stepped it up defensively. His size, athleticism should match up well with Hachamira Jr. and Brendan Clark. Pons is going to need to lock down the high post against Hachamira Jr. where he is the most lethal. Now, regardless... It's going to take an entire team effort to keep the Zags from scoring more points in the Vols. They did struggle with the Washington zone defense, so that should bode well for the Vols considering how much zone they like to play. That'll do it for the Press Box. I'm Moose Michaels. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Tennessee and Gonzaga on Sunday. Again, you can listen to that game on Rock 93.7. And you can listen to this podcast and many others. Just go to the podcast center, rock937online.com. You drink a brewski for the Mooski. I'm out.